Got another great show for you today. And this one is with Dustin Sanchez from Real Avid. Now I ran into Dustin at the Real Avid booth at SHOT Show and we just kind of hit it off. We had a really good time talking to each other and I asked him if he'd be willing to come on to the show and he's like, absolutely, you know, contact me when you're ready and I'll come on. So I talked to Dustin and uh, we set this show up and I had a really good time. Now, before we get to Dustin, let's pay the bills. And today, this show is brought to you by JSD Supply. Now, JSD Supply has just about everything that you could possibly want for building an 80% firearm. Jordan over there has a great business going and his P320 that's an 80% is, well, he patented it. I mean, he patented the 80% frame for the P320 because he was so forward thinking when he came up with that design. If you'd like to see all the work that I've done with JSD Supply, go to www.trb.fyi slash JSD. And that'll take you to all the content I have on JSD. Now, a lot of that content got taken off of YouTube and it came off pretty publicly with a letter from five congressmen to the CEO of YouTube. You can read that post over in my community tab on YouTube uh, about what happened. I'm not upset. We did a whole show um, with uh, P80 Ralph where we talked a little bit about that. That's actually how I ran into P80 Ralph. So definitely go check out www.trb.fyi slash JSD to see the content that's no longer on YouTube. And while you're there, click on the affiliate links and banners before you go shopping. Small portion of your, of your purchase using those links and banners will come back to the channel so that I can continue to bring you additional content and it won't cost you anything more than you were already going to spend. Now with the bills paid, let's get back to Dustin. Now, like I said, Dustin's a great guy and he really knows his stuff. How well does he know his stuff? He's a competitive shooter. He shoots three gun. And he used to work for JP rifles. He used to build some of the rifles that were going out. Well, he built a lot of them. So he knows his way around an AR-15. And with that, let's talk to Dustin. Dustin, tell me about your love of guns. Uh, my name is Dustin Sanchez. I am the marketing manager here at Real Abbott. We are um, a premier firearm manufacturer of the tool. So, so not firearm manufacturer, but tool manufacturer for firearms. Um, I kind of got into the industry. Well, I grew up in Texas, born and raised Texas. So being around guns and firearms my entire life is just kind of what I do. Uh, but I started competitively shooting uh, a little over a decade ago. That led me into being a uh, an armor for JP rifles. So I was actually building rifles. And this has all kind of led me into, you know, uh, finding my, my passion here at Real Avid and 
taking my knowledge from competitive shooting and uh, building rifles to bringing them to the tools so that the end user at home actually has the tools that he's gonna need when he's, he or she, um, you know, if they're building on their rifles, maintenance, cleaning, uh, whatever it is they wanna do. Yeah, now that's kind of interesting because I actually, you know, when we were talking offline, you were, you were showing, you were kind of making me jealous about a couple of things you got from JP. And actually, I, you know, when we talked at SHOT, I didn't even know that you had worked for JP. So, you know, these yeah. tools that we're going to talk about, you know, kind of intimately about these tools and the use of these tools. So even yes. though you're kind of in marketing, you're not like a salesperson. You, you know this stuff. I, I do. Uh, it's funny, um, though I'm marketing manager, I, I spend a lot of time with product development. Uh, we go over, we have meetings, we go over stuff. I just put a couple of spreadsheets together, um, putting like the research and some of the stuff we need to be looking at for the future. But definitely not the idea guy. They just give me a couple of things to pay attention to and see if I can put my own spin on it that's going to actually be useful for the end user. I have people that call me, you know, I do some customer service here as well. And I have people call me and they're like, I built 10 ARs. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like you're doing fantastic. And they're like, well, how many have you built? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, lost, I lost count after probably my first week. <laughs> oh, it, it's funny because uh, at SHOT, I stopped by uh, Wyndham Weaponry um, by their booth because yeah. when I was in FFL, I used to sell a lot of their rifles. And um, I got talking to, because, you know, Wyndham came out of the old Bushmaster group. Sure um, did, they're the yeah. original Bushmasters. And I got talking with, uh, God, I forget his name, but he was one of the original Wyndham employees that came over from Bushmaster and was one of, you know, the really early Bushmaster employees. Mm -hmm. and, and they were talking about building rifles. And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the new guys was like, I bet I could outbuild you. And he goes, let's, let's go. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, he, he was one of the fastest um, Wyndham builders. But then when he got to this guy, this guy just smoked him. And he's like, how many have you built? And he goes, have no idea. <laughs> Could, yeah. Couldn't even begin to tell you how many rifles I've built. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's different. Um, I, so I became affiliated with Aladdin in 2014. They, they kind of started sponsoring me as a shooter. And they would bring me in to work with some of the PD guys at that time. And they would be like, hey, what do you think about this tool? You know, and there was sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know why anybody would use that tool because I do it this way. And I, I throw it together yeah. real fast. You know, taking a step away from that, and I look at the your, your everyday guy that's going to build one, two, maybe three a year. That tool actually helps him out a lot. But the guys that build and they build every day and, and they've been building for years, there's just certain techniques we've picked up that we've actually been able to just kind of master and blow through it. So uh, there's some of our earlier line every now and then I got to pull it out and I got to play with it again just so I can familiar, you know, familiarize myself with the way that act, that tool actually works. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it, it's it, I know. it's funny. I know. I, I, I mean, I've built I gosh, I. I I can't imagine how many rifles I've built, but it's nowhere close to um, anybody that worked for an AR company, but just being a gunsmith, you're used to rebarreling and stuff like that. And yeah. you learn certain techniques that you, you learn quickly what tools work and which ones don't. You do. Um, and that's kind of the key. And, you know, we're going to talk about the tools later. Um, 
but that that's kind of the key about that. Um, now, you know, first time I ran into real uh, avid was, you know, they had, it was on Amazon, right? And I ran into it. It was the the 1911. Um, was it the smart the smart wrench for the 1911? This guy. Um, yeah, that guy. Right. Yeah. And and it's so funny because I was sitting there going, you know, we're so used to. I mean, I I don't use pushing wrenches because I'm just used to using my fingers, right? But you know, seeing people struggle with pushing wrenches and you're trying to hold the gun and then push this pushing wrench. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, huh, let me put the muzzle down and push and then twist. And it's just like, okay, someone thought about this, right? I mean, that was like, um, you know, how many pushing wrenches when I first started playing with 1911s, you know, they would slip off and, and stuff yeah. like that. So it was, yeah. you know, from the, those early days of Real Avid, the product line has just exploded. I mean, it's it's huge now. Um, you know, I in the booth at Shot, it was kind of, you know, I, I knew you had a lot of tools, but then in that in that booth, you just like, wow. Um, I didn't really realize how many tools you guys had. I mean, you know, I've seen the booklets, I've seen the web page, but when you see them all, you know, on like basically retail um packaging type of uh things it's it, real avid is not a small company no we have um we have about 200 SKUs, and then within you know within what we've done there is we like to make the dealer experience um just easy right we want a dealer to come in and say hey i want to start carrying your line of tools and this is how much space i have so what we've done from there is we've took, taken the original 200 SKUs and we've built out different um, like displays, right? So we've got a 24 inch that, so we can take up an entire 24 inch with our, with our 200 SKUs right now. Then we can do like a 16 inch, a 12 inch, eight inch, four inch to just an end cap to, to something like that. So that way any dealer can come out there, they can figure out what they want. We can actually get them set up perfectly for, you know, whatever it is that, that they're looking for. But it is impressive. When you walked into our booth, our booth was 20 by 70 foot long, right? And you walked yep. up in there and you saw a 24 inch display right in the middle of our booth. It, it definitely yep. takes your breath away to be like, whoa, I have like four or five of these real added tools. I had no idea that they had this entire SKU. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was almost overwhelming just thinking about that. I mean, you know, I know you had a lot of tools, but seeing them like that, it was like, I mean, it was like walking into a gun store and going, here's our tools. And um, I thought that was the coolest thing because I remember your your desk was in that back left-hand corner there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, well, I guess it depends on which angle of the booth you were, uh, you were looking I'm at. I'm with but, you. If I'm looking at it, it was the back left. <laughs> yeah, you're the back left corner. And yeah. then um, you, had, you had the displays in the middle, and then you had workbenches all around the edge and you have six or eight people you know at these benches working with the tools and it was kind of cool yeah. where you could talk to someone and they were just right there yeah i think when we sat down and we looked at it we want the end user to truly understand that we are here for them and we're, we're trying to make you know the best tools possible to make your job easier and 
um, more pleasurable. I mean, look, we, we understand working on guns. A gun goes down, the last thing we want to do is work on it. But if we look at from a, a gunsmith to just your hobbyist, they all need to be able to work together. Those tools need to be a work, able to work for everybody and be user friendly. So that, that's really what we try to do. And when I can bring in some pro staff guys, I brought them in. I had like four training sessions with them here. They were already competitive shooters. Take them there and they can easily pick up our tools and just run with them because they, it was that easy to understand how they work. I think it gives the end user and people like you when you guys came in this understanding that we really are here for the community and we're trying to make tools to make your life easier when you're working on firearms. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, I, I was at industry day, which, you know, range day, and you mm -hmm. even had a booth at range day, which yeah. was really cool because that was the first time I got to play with the vice that we're going to talk about later when you guys yeah. came. Yeah. That vice right there. Um, <laughs> and I got talking, with that and it was just so easy to sit there and talk about it and then you know they're they're showing me and i'm like well can i play it they're like go at it right it's here and then um it, it was just it, it was kind of an amazing experience just talking to that and then even you know you guys were over the new section at uh shop yeah. which it was kind of weird because you know you had the three levels right you have the two levels in the one building then you guys were were over the bridge. Mm -hmm. That was almost like when you crossed that bridge and went into that section of shot. It was almost like like the mood changed almost. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was different. It was well lit. Um, there was lots of room, and um, and then you guys had that really nice big booth to actually look at the stuff. Now. Real Avid's products can kind of get broken down into two categories that I've I've kind of discovered. You have the cleaning and the tools. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the cleaning stuff because you got a gun, you have to clean it. Right. Um, I mean, you have the standard cleaning kits that you can buy and you have the ones that you can put into your bag, the portable ones. You have jags and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, we were talking offline a little bit about design. You know, I was I was kind of impressed with the design of the products, but even you know, you have a you have those compact cleaning kits. Most people put them into like a zip pouch and you know, you you, you throw them into your bag. You guys have things like you know, the cable kind of wraps around and um can you talk a little bit about you know how you guys approach design of the products? Yeah, so that starts with um, well, let's let's start from the very beginning here, right? Like, Real sure. Avid was kind of a marketing company that the the owners were huge into hunting, and some of the guys that were doing the marketing were huge into hunting, and they all just kind of gravitated there, and they wanted to start making their own tools. That will the guys, you know, that started, but the whole marketing approach and thinking outside the box is carried along from the very beginning. Right, so the first tool was introduced in about 2009 for Real Avid. And from that day on, it, that marketing approach has carried through. They also have gone um, to the links of like, okay, for our product development team, we could bring in gun guys, but they've actually brought in a lot of guys that are really into cars. And I think that is a huge, one of the huge reasons we're so successful is we have guys that, don't get like pigeonholed in and just look at, oh, this is gun and here's gun tools. How do I make this gun tool a little bit better? Or how do I take the designs I like from there, but make it mine? 
these guys are car guys. They look at things that car companies do and, and they work on their cars and how can they take one of those designs and bring it in and drop it in over here for the, the us gun guys. But they've also thought about portability, okay? Well, these guys, you know, like myself, I like to travel and, and you know, I, I shoot, I've got nine to 12 majors on my match depending on how the season goes. And every single one of them is at least eight hours away. So I'm driving, I don't, I'm either driving or flying. I don't have room to carry a bunch of stuff. And the, those guys have just taken that into consideration from the design down to the actual product, right? So packaging down to the product. And I think that's why I say our, we're doing so well is because of our product development guys are not gun guys. Yeah, if that it, makes it's sense. funny. <laughs> no, it, it, it totally does. Because if you think about it, you bring in mechanics. Mechanics are working with tools all yeah. day long right? And they're not working with tools that, I mean, let's face it, they're not going down to Harbor Freight and making a living off of right. Harbor Freight. They're, they're dealing with, you know, Snap-on, all these big brand name tools. They know what works. They know what's going to mm -hmm. last. And then it kind of funnels into that. Okay, great. I'm a gun, I'm a gun guy. You know, I've been a gunsmith. I, I've worked on guns. Um, I, you know, to me, there are certain there are certain product uh, designs that work and some that don't. And I know that I, looking at a tool, I can see um, a design. That's why I like kind of like even your, you know, we were talking about the cleaning kits that go into your bag. It's okay. We have a tool. It has a use, but is we got to think of the certain practicality of the use of that because mm -hmm. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not going to go tear out of, you know, V8 out of a Corvette. Um, you know, so let's make this work for the industry that I'm in, but take all the knowledge of a great tool and put it into that. So, you know, that's why I kind of like it, going back to the cleaning kits. That's why I like how they're compact. They're not, yeah. you know, most cleaning kits are just, they're a zipper. Let's face it. They're the exact same cleaning kit that everybody else is buying from the same factory in China, in China. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and there's no thought to it. It's just like, right. Oh, I got a cleaning kit. Great. Yeah. So well, I, I think like one of the things you're talking about is, um, and I don't have one up here, but it's our board boss. Um, and right. so what, what that is, is, um, it's the cord that you'd run through your barrel and you'd pull it out and you just do a quick clean, quick scrub, little scrub, uh, of your rifle or shotgun pistol, whatever it is. The one thing. I noticed from the day one that I played with one of those, I loved how fast and portable it was. I could push it through there. But what I found out I would do is I'd either let the cord hang on the ground, I'd step on it with my boot, and I'm holding a <laughs> rifle like this, yeah. and I'm pulling it up, or I'm wrapping that cord around my hand, right? And I'm pulling it, and you can feel the pressure cutting in. And the product development guys were like, well, why would we do any of that? Why not also make it where we got a pull handle on there, but the pull handle also turns into the case. And so when the bristles actually go into the case, they can wrap inside of there and not have anything kind of crushing in on them. And it is a, just a, a fantastic tool for us to use. Yeah. Like right there's the boar, there's the boar boss. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's the, the, that's what I was thinking is right there. It just, yeah. it just is a design that works. I mean, we're not going to do basically it's you guys went, we're not going to do the exact same thing. Now you do have the pouches and stuff like that, but if right. you need to do something like 
like this. I mean, when I, I, I used to be a consultant on the road and I used to keep my gun with me and, um, you know, I said, depending on where I was going, I knew there was gun ranges and I'd go shoot and then I'd spend time in my hotel room cleaning my gun afterwards. And you get a, you know, a box of tools, uh, uh, you know, of uh, cleaning yeah. stuff. This, I would have killed to have this stuff back when I was doing that because um, it just doesn't, you know, the, the normal stuff just, it was a, it was a pain to carry. Yeah, yeah. And also you look at that, I think, you know, if you look how we've got everything hanging up behind us, it's always been something else too is, is, you know, I, I walk into my gun room and it's an absolute mess. I, I've got guns everywhere and I've got gun parts everywhere. The one thing that actually stays nice at my house are the tools because I can, I, I mean, they all stack on each other. They all lay a certain, you know, we, we take into account like, okay, a guy's got a drawer. He wants to push these in. What's the, the max thickness we can have so to fit in your, you know, your everyday drawer like this guy right here. So let's, let's make a, the tools where they'll fit in there. So a guy can easily put them away. And, and that's just, you know, just again, thinking outside of the box, thinking about the end user's experience. Um, and I wish, honestly, I wish a fire manufacturer would make it that way too. So my gun room could be cleaner. Cause I got, like I said, I got stuff everywhere. Yeah. yeah um, I, well, and yeah, we were talking a little bit offline. I've got a new bench build and I mean, let's face it. My, this place is a mess as it is. That's the only thing that's ever organized <laughs> is behind me. Um, yeah. you know, below that is 3d printer with all kinds of crap on top of that. Uh, the reloader, well, the reloader's over there now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm the same way, you know, uh, just to get ready for the podcast, I have a 1911 taken apart on the bench here because I was working on it. I'm like, all right, I got the, all these parts here. All right, I got to, I got to get them yeah. out of my way. <laughs> um, yep. You know, I've got a, I've got a rifle here on, um, on a vice that I'm working on. Um, you know, I've got all kinds of, I, I'm just like, yeah, I got stuff all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and going forward, talking about that design, um, I'm sure everybody knows this. I'll bring it up is the cleaning mats, right? I mean, here's the cleaning mats right there. I mean, you have, I mean, a cleaning mat is not a new concept, right? No. I mean, you roll something out and it protects your, it protects the surface, it protects the gun. But what's cool about this is you have, I mean, this particular one has the upgraded kit onto the side. Right. So, you know, that way you have your kit, your gun, everything is in one place on that mat. The, you know, the mat is um, uh, oil resistant. It doesn't slip. But if we go back here to like the, let's just bring up the gun, the handgun one you have right here. I mean, you just have parts for it. So, you know, we're going to, you know, this is a handgun one. I'm going to take... I'm going to field strip it. I'm going to field strip my pistol. I'm going to have a barrel, a recoil spring and, and a slide. Mm -hmm. You have part, you have these little parts bins on off to the side. So, you know, you're, you guys are doing great with this, this whole functionality of the product. Um, and this is just kind of the, the coolest thing that I found with related is just, you know, I've always looked at these stuff and, and I'll, I'll be honest uh, with you and also the audience. It wasn't until about a month ago that I had my first real Avid product. Um, I've used them before. Um, other friends of mine have it. It's just that when I was in FFL, I just have 
a bunch of stuff from, well, quite frankly, before, before some of this stuff came out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, these cleaning mats, this goes back to that design. You guys are thinking about the user when you come about this. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I started shooting, uh, I was like seven or eight. Um, you know, we just had a, a rag that we put on the kitchen table. Um, <laughs> mom, mom would get pissed. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, we'd have some well, uh, hoppies. I mean, anybody that grew up, at least for me, you know, in my time and even earlier, everybody knows that smell. You stink yep. up the house. Um, and cleaning was a chore. I mean, we really didn't think about field stripping guns back then. We just cleaned whatever we could. Um, and then that was, that was the way things worked. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, going forward now, cleaning a gun today is totally different than cleaning a gun back when I grew up. Um, you know, going forward with um, your stuff, you now have, well, I don't want to say chemicals, but cleaning tools, right? Uh, you have, you know, um, copper solvent and, um, you know, oils and stuff like that. Talk, talk a little bit about those products. Yeah, so um, kind of like you were going into, I mean, there was hoppies and, and you're right, the smell. And I bring the smell up because um, our our actual oil does have a fragrant, fragrance. And I'm not a guy, like I used to work for Caterpillar as a, as a mechanic, right, as a technician. And I don't like the smell of like that type of oil, gun, like, you know, dirty gun oil. I love that smell, right? Because I'm like, oh, that means, it, you know, there was like, there was some work done here. Um, yep. But when we when they, they started coming out and they were like we were testing it and I was testing it and I was testing it like negative 17 degrees for certain reasons and I could smell that fragrance and I asked and they're like well if you when you smell hoppies you you know what it is right and I'm like yeah and yep. they're like so we're putting a fragrance in there because we want the next generation to remember our fragrance and to use it um, so there's just a little side story there but our entire chemical line so we have the bore solvent which was going to work against copper and, and some corrosion. We have a foul out uh, for the people that are familiar or familiar with like what the foul out is. We're looking more something like the brake clean and carburetor cleaners and how I use it in my head. Right. Cause being a mechanic, that's what I used. Um, and then we have our gun oil and then, um, and those are going to be all three of those come in an aerosol can. That was our first three that we launched. And now we have them in some four ounce bottles for people that can travel. Awesome. We also have, we just dropped these at SHOT Show with our gun wipes as well. And then we just hit the floor is going to be our new CLP. And the cool thing about all of our chemicals is that it is our own line. This is not something where we are relabeling another solvent or CLP or oil or anything like that. I, we've got a guy here, I call him the mad scientist. This guy built a rail gun and shot a car and cut the car in half. Okay, we're talking about like, <laughs> I, 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 I'll yeah. talk, I'll like start a conversation with this guy and then I back out of the conversation really fast because I realize how dumb I am next to him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the owners put him on this and he created an entire line of chemicals for us that it, it's literally our own line and it was tested on, and this was before, when they started the testing. I wasn't working here at Real Lab, and I was still uh, I was actually marketing at JP at this time. And he they would be calling me. They're like, "Hey, bring all of the guns up here. Like, go shoot them and bring your guns. We're gonna clean them for you." And I'm like, "Yeah, 
Let's do it. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, it's like every guy's dream. I get to shoot my gun, and you're going to clean it. Okay, you're gonna clean it. it. Yeah. If you want to clean <laughs> yeah. my gun, be my guest, right? Right. Um, so we just kind of brought everything up here, and they were cleaning it, and they were testing a bunch of stuff, and. We've built our own tools to do the testing. So we've done compression and bearing testing. We've done heat testing. Uh, we've done like, we've got a salt booth out, out in the warehouse right here that they'll throw guns in there and do like the salt testing. And, um, you know, our line is actually outperforming everybody's. I, I bring up the, the oil when I was talking about the temperature of negative 17. For myself as a competitive shooter, I'll be, you know, we're here in Minnesota and I'll go from Minneapolis to Phoenix, and there's a huge temperature uh, change. So I could be here. It's good. Let's say it could be five degrees, and I go to Phoenix, and it's 90 degrees, and I need an oil that's going to run no matter what temperature I'm in. So the first thing I wanted to do was take our oil, wait until it was one of the coldest days. It was negative 17. Uh, it was a, in an AR like this one right behind me. Threw everything in it, re you know, cleaned it, put our oil on there threw it out in the snow and let it sit there for about 15, 20 minutes while I sat in the car, got out, ran a mag through it, threw another mag in it, threw it on the ground, left it right there in the middle of the bay for another 30 minutes, picked it up and ran it, and it ran flawlessly. Uh, two weeks later, I didn't wipe it down, didn't clean anything. Uh, two weeks later, I ran it down in Texas, and it was like 85 degrees, and my rifle still ran flawlessly. So I'm really excited about our oil, and I try to let everybody know. If you're a guy that likes to go hunting and you're in different um, temperature swings or, you know, this, this oil is going to be perfect for you. Well, it, it's funny. So I'm in Montana. So the two of us get a lot of the same temperature swings, yeah. right? Um, I mean, just last week, we went up 20 degrees here and we were still in single digit <laughs> numbers of, of yeah. temperature. Um, and then today it's, 55 right it's gonna it's 55 out um yep. and then this weekend it's gonna drop down again when i you know i grew up on the east coast i grew up outside of, of philly lived in delaware and maryland you know that whole uh, mid-atlantic area we didn't have quite the temperature swings that we have out here mm -hmm. um i moved out here it was um i ran a white lithium grease in the summertime and I ran an oil in the wintertime just because yeah. it's so damn cold here. I need something right. that's going to work. Now, you know, these, the changes in cleaning technology have changed so much that I don't need to have one or the other anymore. I now have, right. you know, something like that. And, you know, one of the problems I had with the white lithium grease is it, it was really good at protecting, but it really sucked when it got dirty, right? Because, you know dirt just to, you know you you have you know dirt or you get out to the range it's dusty it gets in that weightlifting grease and it just completely screws up the action yeah. of the gun um now you're now with a product that can do those type of swings i don't have to think about you know like you know today 55 my carry gun you know i would have it set up this way but you know mm -hmm. this weekend's going to be five degrees I would have to ch either change carry guns because one's prepared for that, or now I got just one oil that just does it all for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up carry because we, we look at a lot of times, I, I shoot competition, so I, I naturally kind of gravitate to that. I'll, I'll, you know, 
I'll shoot more rounds in one year than one guy may shoot in his entire life. So sometimes I have to back out of that and talk to somebody and try to relate to them a little bit more. And, and your everyday, you know, your everyday care, your personal offense is something you really need to look at because, you know, if we look at the temperature swing within even let's say Texas right now, right? So Texas was 110 this past summer and then they just had freezing temperatures again. My mom has an everyday carry. She carries her every, with her every day. Before, if it would have came down in that lower temperature, I would have been like, hey, like, I know you're in Texas and you're used to, you think you're going to run because of the oil you're running. You need to wipe that down and either A, run it dry or put something, put a different type of oil in it. Well, now with my mom running the real avid uh, gun max oil, I don't care. Like, I, I know that my mom's life if, you know, and I never want her to have to use her pistol. That's the last thing I ever want her to do. But right. if she does, I know that pistol is going to run. There's not, it doesn't matter the temperature swing, that thing is going to run. That oil is not going to be too thick or too thin for that actual situation. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's just awesome that this technology is coming up. I mean, if we go back to your cleaning kit, like you were talking, the foul out, the, the, you know, you're talking about brake cleaner. Uh, when I was refinishing guns, uh, when I was doing, and it was, I was doing surcoat work, you know, we, we soak everything in acetone before. Well, mm -hmm. you get this, this guy that wants this old gun refinished, right? And this thing hasn't been cleaned in like 30 years, was put away <laughs> dirty, right? Yeah. Um, you're just, acetone's just not going to do it. That's when you go outside with the brake cleaner and you just spray the, hell out of that thing with the brake yeah. cleaner um but it's brake cleaner um you know you you don't get it on plastic parts um yes. you know it's not it's not safe for that it's only safe for the metal stuff yeah um yeah. and you know we'll we will coat plastic i mean if you have a glock yeah. uh, i'll i'll do it or if you have a a, a p320 or p365 it was it's i can do it Right. That's the cool thing with having something that's designed for our industry. You know, we're not taking something that's meant for cleaning brakes or cleaning a carburetor. Right. Um, we need we need products for our industry. And that's where something like foul out is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah I know sure. I can pick it up and I'm not going to screw a gun up with it. Yeah, uh, we we've got a guy here that he likes to seracote on his on his spare time. You know, he he does some of our renderings of our our packaging, right? So if you see some of our packaging and it doesn't, it almost looks like a photo, but it's not. He's the guy that's sitting in there creating that off of a CAD that we put on his computer, right? He'll go through and do that. Well, he decided he's okay. Like, hey, I want to start seracoting at home, so that's what he's doing, and he's seracoting Glocks, three twenty, three sixty fives, the Taurus, and and all sorts of things, right? Yep. And he's running our foul out on them to clean them. We'll bring them in here. We'll run foul out on them. And we're not losing Cerakote. We're not losing anything off the plastic. We're not causing any damage. You know, on our on our jaws that we have for our vice, we've got a foam padding in there. And I've I've let the foul out sit on there, didn't even dry it off, and I had zero issues with that. So it's it's not destroying any of the products that we have that we actually use on our firearms. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that side right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah, it's it it and I'm glad you've kind of brought that up because, you know, I've only had this vice for about a month. And I've been, been playing with it. Um, and I was wondering about how resistant those yeah. would be, the chemicals. But, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's great that you're, you're testing that stuff out with real-world applications. So many people 
design things in such um, with such tunnel vision. You know, it, it, this is what we designed it for. Cool. Yep. But the second I get it to somewhere else, and I'm going to do something else with that you might not have thought about. That's great. And, and with him doing surcoat work, he's going to know exactly. Yeah, yeah for he's, sure. He's going to learn. He's going to learn really quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. He when, he. He's, he's ran into some other issues on his own getting into Cerakote that I find I find hilarious because I like to give him a hard time. Yeah, it's funny because when I went in, I, I started doing Cerakote. I actually did it as a hobby. Um, even though I was an FFL, I was kind of just doing it because, well, I, it, it's, it, was, it was relaxing to me. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it, what's so funny is, is, you know, they say that the second you take something you like and turn it into a job, you hate it. I, I ended up hating doing surcoat work because I am <laughs> so picky. Like I, I will look, you know, I, I, I was, I was doing a, an AR lower for someone and I did it three times oh, and yeah. because I was not happy with the way it turned out. Mm -hmm. um, it was perfectly fine, but you know, right in the back where the, where the, you know, the, the plate was going to go into the back of the AR. It just wasn't quite right for me, even though you will never see it. Sandblast that thing back out. And, and, yeah. um, and it, it, you learn, you learn really quick about, uh, things. And, yeah. uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that you guys are coming out with stuff that we can now use and not worry about what we're using. Yeah, no, it, it is nice. Um, you know, and I think that's part of like kind of why I spend a lot of time with PD is because they'll be looking at something and I'm like, well, I love the idea. However, if I'm in the field shooting a competition or if I'm going to be building a rifle, there's a couple of cons to that. So we'll, we'll, we actually have a discussion. We'll figure out what to do. Product development team will go back. They're going to sit down. They're going to look at that and they're going to start brainstorming about how they can fix that problem. And then we come back out with, and we usually get prototypes in here and we'll take them out. We'll run them. I'll take a couple of prototypes to the range. I'll push them and test them out, come back and give the guys my feedback. Um, and it, I mean, it, look, everything seems to be working great, right? We got a great team that's moving and, and getting the product out there that works for the end user. And we're just going to keep pushing to do that. Cool. Now, the last thing I want to bring up with just cleaning and it's, it kind of goes back to that whole function thing is the field guides. I always thought those were the coolest things in the world, right? So yeah. for those of you who don't know what the field guides are, they, they look like little dog tags, but it's like, hey, this is how you can clean your gun. Yeah. You know, this is, yeah. Those things Actually are just, the, those are the coolest things. Which one is this? Uh, this is like your Glock for your Glock pistol here. Yeah, um, yeah so... Um, it just kind of like goes through and it, you, you open them up and it just starts kind of walking through some of the safety, uh, gives you, you know, kind of calls everything out for you, what it is. Um, yeah, they're cool. Uh, I've never seen one either until, like I said, in 2014, when I started doing some work for Real Avid, they, uh, had me look over an AR-15 one to make sure I had, they, you know, that they had called all the parts the right thing. And, and, and I was like, well, this is. This is actually kind of cool for the the new users that get out there. They don't, they need some step by step guidance, and you know, uh, not everybody has access, or I mean, everybody has access to YouTube, but they just don't know what to look for, or where to start, right? Well, and and, and let's face it, um, you know, I'm a YouTuber. I have 
disassembling, reassembly videos out there of, of things. There is a lot of bad information out there too, right? There there's as much good information, there's bad information out there. Um, you know, one of the things, the reason why I started my channel was, is it was, you know, you, you watch someone do a disassembly and reassembly and they're like, okay, we're going to take this sear and then we're going to put it in this gun, right? And you're looking at a pile of parts in front of you and go, what's a sear, right? Yeah. yeah. And then they're going to put it in the gun, but then you can't see in the gun. You can't see what they do. Their hands in the way or the lighting's bad and stuff like that. That's where, you know, I, I, I start working with, um, you know, still images. I understand lighting. Mm -hmm. I understand exposures and stuff like that. But, you know, over the past few years, we have so many brand new gun owners that you know bought their first gun they don't know what to, they don't know what to do they don't know what these parts are they're going to get to youtube and they're going to get lost in youtube right yeah for sure so for sure. that's where that's why i like those field guides is you know god if you have a brand new gun owner and man you want to give them you know a little present or something go buy one of those field guides because they will it, it it's just it breaks everything down to very simple terms that right. they can understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and the next thing is, is that just because you've taken your, your, your pistol apart once and you put it back together next year, when you go to do it again, you're not going to remember how you did it again. And you're going to have to go through and you're going to try to find another video. A lot of times I, I know people try to go find the exact same video they watched the first time. By that time in one year, especially on Glocks, how many videos are going to come out on a disassembly yeah. simulator Glock, right? Uh, right. And this is just something that hangs up. They stay together and throw it in a toolbox or they didn't even throw it in their Glock box, right? That they got, that came yep. with uh, their factory manufacturing box. They'll throw it in there and they're good to go. So um, yeah, they're, they're cool. They're cool little um, field guides, like little packets for people to, you know, get them going. All right. So I'm going to move on to tools, which yeah. uh, I'm a tool junk. I'm a tool junkie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love tools. Um, now you guys have all kinds of different moldy tools out there to do things. I mean, everything from here's a moldy tool for an AR-15 to here's a moldy tool for a shotgun to do your choke tubes and, and stuff like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about those for me? Yeah, so we got everything from, if we look at your standard X frame, right? So it's gonna be the uh, the tool opens up and there's some pliers in there. We've got that for a 1911. And the way that one's designed is we gave, we gave you the pliers, um, so you can, you know, do some of those harder to reach jobs with it. But we also have all the more, like really more popular bits that you need for an AR-15. So that's actually our amp line that you have right there up on the screen. Um, so our amp line was a way to kind of streamline some multi-tools. So we got our AR-15 amp here. It's built on a sheet. Uh, actually get a little closer. So it's actually built on a sheet like this, fits on your belt. Uh, then when we open it up, I actually got a little bit driver here. And I have this tool that pops out. And then I've got inside my sheath here, I've got a bunch of the more common bits that you're going to see on an AR-15. They're held in there by magnets. They just slide in here and pop in there. So, um, you know, if you've got your optics, you know, like your mounts or something like that, you got a little Allen for that. Then inside of the actual tool here, we've got a knife so everybody's got their little knife <laughs> that's um, awesome yeah. <laughs> so i i actually have this and i carry this around when i'm at the range without the sheath because i'm like i just need a knife and some scrapers 
Um, but we got our, our bolt scraper right here. On the other side, we actually have our BCG uh, scraper. We have, um, so a bolt override. Uh, this is something that not a whole lot of people are familiar with. So a lot of ARs nowadays are coming out with, uh, they don't have your forward assist. Um, yeah. So trying to get it forward, there's some issues there sometimes. But other times if you get a double feed or you got gravel or something in your rifle, you're, you've got a lot of the carbon built up on your bolt, guy hasn't ran it a lot, it's gonna come back and it's not gonna come all the way out of battery. Like out of battery, it's gonna open up just a little bit. So we got this guy right here, it's called the bolt override. So you're just literally going to grab into that bolt here and then you can actually, you know, rip Pull it back. the rest of the way out. Cause yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, the charging handle, I've seen guys break their charging handle, just trying to rip it back. Uh, like let's yeah. say they got a stuck casing or something like that. Um, and then we got inside here. We just got a little pin punch here. So if you got your takedown pins and they're, they're stiff, we got uh, the tool in here to push that out. And you know, it's just, it, it's a cool design. Like I said, I love the sheath part. It, it actually sits in my uh, on my molly like this, um, and then when I get to the range, whether I'm going to shoot a match or something, the actual knife part comes out, and I'll carry this on me. So wherever I'm at on the field or in the, the range or whatever, I always have the knife and any of the scrapers that I need for an AR. I'm a primarily an AR guy, so I, I typically carry this one. But we do have one for specifically for your 1911s, and then we have just your general pistol uh, tool. And the pistol one... Um, or the 1911 one, let's see. Yeah, the uh, the gun tool amp, which is for your everyday guns. What's cool about that one is we have a little section here that opens up and it actually has all your smaller Allens that you need. So if you're running lasers or lights or you want to make any adjustments to your adjustable sights, we've got that guy in there. Uh, actually, this is the 1911 one. So yeah, and it's, uh, of course, it's got the knife in there as well. See, that's just so cool that you put the knife in there. Um, I, you know, I, at SHOT Show, God, what was there, like, on the main floor there, there was, like, three or four different knife companies, right? Yeah. And yeah. On, fr on Friday, I, you know, I, I worked all my content stuff so that Friday I could do fanboy stuff, right? Yeah. So when I grew up, uh, I grew up on a buck knife off the Buck Ranger, so I stopped by the buck booth, just kind of talking to those guys. And, and it's so funny because if you have a gun person, you have like a 90% chance that person has a knife on them. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, it, it's just one of those things. And um, that is just so cool that you, you guys built a knife into those amps because yeah, it, you, you know, if you're out there, you're hanging targets and I don't know, you, you just, you don't have, um, masking tape, you just happen to have duct tape because I always carry masking tape and duct tape. Right. Well, there's only so many times I can rip duct tape with my teeth before you know, <laughs> I, I, I usually catches my lip and then, you know, kind of tears your lip. That's why it's nice to have a knife with you. Um, yeah. yeah. A knife is just one of those things that is just so versatile. Um, I was out shooting a new gun yesterday and, you know, there's still some snow up in the hills here. And I, I almost took a picture and did this on Instagram because, you know, I'm picking up brass because uh, I reload. And then mm -hmm. I saw uh, some brass that had, you know, when someone had shot, had had landed in the snow and kind of melted in. And I'm like, that'd be really nice to have that brass. And I'm thinking I should take a picture <laughs> and go and put it do a poll of how many people have used their knife to dig reloading brass out of a frozen block of ice. Uh, I mean, <laughs> 
you just you just use <laughs> knives for so many things. Yeah, uh, you're right. I, it, uh, funny thing is, is we have a shotgun core, and I, I was doing video with one, so I may have one sitting around here. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is uh, kind of our shotgun core here. And the reason I'm talking about the knife and everything is because we have an AR-15 core. And the AR-15 core has the scrapers in there. And um, it works great for your bolt and everything, right? Because it's what we need for AR-15. But we had this extra spot on the shotgun core when we were developing it. And the guys were like, well, we should put a knife blade in there. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And why we're talking about it, this, this memory popped up in my head of one of my really good friends. Um, his name's Jake Latola. He's a three-gunner. Uh, we were shooting a major match. It was an all-shotgun shotgun match. It was like the premier shotgun match to shoot in the, in, in the nation. Um, and so he's on a stage, and he's shooting, and he's running a super – or uh, yeah, he's running a Benelli M2. And as he's shooting – That's what I run. Yeah, they're, they're phenomenal shotguns, right? Great gun. Um, yeah. But, but as he's shooting, the hull actually came out, and it's – Split, spun 180 degrees and went right back in before oh, the bolt could close. Right oh, now we're man. on the clock. This guy's yeah. the guy's competing for first place. We're on the clock, and you know it's like well, we were like was and before we knew it, he whipped the knife out of his hand, out of his pocket. You know he's holding the shotgun. It's up and he kind of turns it to the side, flips the knife over, grabs, stabs into the hole, rips forward and throws it, and his whole knife in the hole go everywhere. Right. He, <laughs> He racks it, you know, he racks the side charger there and he gets back on and he's shooting. And everybody's like, what are you, what just happened here, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when I'm thinking about it, I, I thought about that story. And then I started thinking about how many times I've been to the range and watched a guy, even with the pump where the hole or something gets stuck in there. Duck hunters, they're on the boat. They don't get a good shoulder. Um, so we created a knife. We put the knife in here but we put a little little hook in here. And so the hook is actually designed so if a guy gets a hole stuck into his shotgun, he can open up the knife and kind of hook in there and not worry about it sliding all the way down. You know, if they're still wanting to hold it, he doesn't have to worry about it. The knife sliding in there and popping out and then stabbing his hand. The hook has got a little flat edge in there. He's going to hook it. He can pull that hole out, throw it off there, throw the uh, shotgun core back in his pocket and go back to shooting. Um, and it's just things like that that I think what's really starting to separate Relabit from other companies is that we've just got guys that think outside the box, and then we have others that have, you know, we, we literally live the life of shooting. I mean, when you go to the range two to three times a week every day or, you know, every week of the year, you naturally run into experiences that may be slim, but people have experienced them. I mean, can we incorporate that in the tool? Yeah, because when you were talking about that hole spinning, you know, 180 degrees and then that carrier coming home, the first thing I'm going through in my mind is, how the hell are you going to get that thing out? Because now you That's got that bolt carrier. Yeah, that bolt carrier is coming in. Yeah, it's a cylinder. Yeah. It's still going to crush that a little bit. And then you're going to take the brass end and jam it into the barrel a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like, you don't even, I, until you said that, I didn't I didn't even think about that as ever even being a possibility. And obviously nobody else did either. No. Um, but never. I mean, I, I, that's, that's we, the versatility of having a knife. We asked him, we're like, what, what made you even think about pulling knife? I was like, I don't even remember doing it. 
but we had video <laughs> on it, right? One of my friends, awesome. one of my really good fans was friends was recording it, so we got video of him. We watched that thing probably for three months straight after that. It, the video kept circular, circulating around, and we were watching it. And it was just one of those things where I've seen it happen with other guys, who are like you know, running semi-autos on a duck gum, where um, they don't get a full cycle out of it, and it comes back to the, you know. Uh, an AR doesn't go out of battery completely. And how do you get that free if the charging handles messing up and stuff? So just, you know, little things like that. And we incorporate them into our, you know, into our shotgun core, for example, you know, um, we've also incorporated because a lot of guys are running red dots and uh, on their home defense shotguns now. So we took into account, well, we need to have uh, on the end of our choke tube at the top here, we needed to have a little flat edge so the guy could open up his battery box. And then I was like, well, what about windage and elevation on a red dot? So where our uh, bottle opener is and carabiner, we've got a little tip off the end there that's actually got a little, um, it's got a little flathead on there. So if you're running, um, you know, any of the Bushnells or uh, even like a Vortex, it's got the little flathead for windage and elevation. You've got yeah. that in there. Just where can we fit some stuff in that's not going to make the tool super bulky, like the shotgun core and the AR-15 core that easily fit, you know, the AR-15 core, they easily fit into a pocket and you can go do everything you need to do and, and um, have the versatility of a multi-tool in your pocket to, to keep your uh, rifle shotgun up and running. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just so awesome thinking about those stuff. Um, you know, I mean... Guns do short stroke. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're a reloader, you you know about it because yeah. you know that's just the powder drop just didn't happen right. Or, and I don't want to I don't want to bash um, ammunition manufacturers, but let's face it, they they screw up too, right? Hey, I mean, let's look let's look at right now. How hard is it to find ammo? And yep. I'm starting to see more and more man, uh, malfunctions out of firearms right now. In it, a lot of it's ammo related and we're not bashing the ammo companies. It's look, we, we're putting up, we're putting a lot of pressure on them and it's going to happen. They're, yeah. They're, I mean, they're trying so hard to keep up with demand. Um, you know, they're running those machines flat out. I mean, yeah. you know, I've seen primers in backwards. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it happens. Uh, I, and this is factory ammo. I mean, things happen um you know and that's what's great about those multi tools is that you guys put the thought into how do we deal with some of these issues of a gun yeah um you know you're talking about duck hunters duck hunters are in wet environments um yeah. you know like uh, being on the east coast you know especially in maryland your shotgun's gonna get wet i mean it's just yeah. it's just gonna happen right and then okay you're, you're gonna take a couple of shots Shotgun's dirty and it's wet. I mean, if anybody looks at the M16 when it went into service in Vietnam, the M16 mm -hmm. was des was designed and, and tested in a dry climate. Now we put it into the middle of a jungle. It's dirty, wet. Powder residue becomes glue. Yeah. Malfunctions. I mean, that's where we got the forward assist. Um, yep. So that's where it's great to have a tool that you can deal with that stuff. Now, we talk, we talk multi-tools a lot. Now, I, I'm going to get into what has got to be my favorite part of Relavid, the build tools. Yeah. This is, 
to me, this is the fun stuff, right? I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. All the other stuff is really cool. But being a gunsmith, I like build tools. I'm with you. The, master, the, other, tools just, the, the other tools just maintain the fire. And I want to build right. them. Yeah, I want to put them together. I want to build yeah. them. We're going to open right up with the master vice. All right. So that master gun vice, I have got so many emails and so many uh, comments on videos about it that people had asked me about it and like, hey, look, I don't have one um, all, and all that stuff. And I, um, you guys did um, the daily giveaways, right? You did the daily drawings mm -hmm. and I was just happened to be lucky enough to get one. Oh, congratulations, um, dude. So, so I won, I won one out of shot and um, I, you know, I had, I'll be honest with you. I had my doubts until I saw the first one at range day. Yep, that's what showed up right there, that box. Um, and uh, when I play with it at range day, I go, I've got this thing figured out. I mean, you know, for me, I couldn't figure out, hey, if I have an AR on here, how is this thing gonna handle torque? Cause you have a ball and then, you know, a ball is not a very strong joint. I mean, it's great for maneuverability, but then you have those pins that go into that ball to lock it into place. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I would have no problems with torque in a barrel. Yeah. So, right. So great example. Uh, when we look at just, just in general, let's not even go with gun builders. Okay. Let's go with your everyday person that likes to build and work on whatever it is. They love the versatility of a ball and socket vice. It allows them to spin that thing 360 degrees. They don't have to pull it out, put it back in or anything like that. But we all know you never can get it tight enough so you can apply, you know, any torque to it. So that was a big issue we had to look at with our vice. And not only will it spin 360 degrees, as you can see, I laid it down and it'll still spin 360 degrees here, right? So how do we get it where a guy can build a rifle on here or use it for anything else that he wants to at his house and it'll handle torque? So what we did was we took, this is the ball, you know, our, our jaw sit right here. So uh, right here, we got these four grooves and this pin actually interlocks with it. So every 90 degrees, as I rotate this in, I can actually lock my vice into a different position and it's actually gonna allow me to torque up to 100 foot pounds of torque which when we look at ARs, uh, we know that you're looking at a range of 40 to 80 foot-pounds of torque. Well, I'm 100% I'm, I'm good to go on building an AR out of my new master gun vise. Well, even if you go past AR, uh, let's just say uh, you're a bolt guy and you're mm -hmm. going to barrel up, uh, I don't know, Remington 700. Yeah, You're still not going to go, I mean, if you're going past 80 on torquing a barrel, that's a lot of torque uh, for even even a bolt gun. So I mean, yeah. that's the nice thing about this is that this vice is be. I mean, it it's designed for AR. You know, AR AR is just the most popular gun out there, right? It, it works well for it, but it, it it's beyond that, right? It can yes. do so many things. Uh, to be honest with you, let me make sure this is just double check everybody. This gun is clear. <laughs> So this is a this is a Smith and Wesson Model Forty One. It's a twenty two. This is actually literally the gun I learned how to shoot on as a kid. Well, I took this out and shot it, and I went to go clean it, and I went, I want to test this vice out, right? Yeah. So I 
I was like, how am I going to clamp this thing in? Sorry, I'm grabbing these things. So, you know, they have the soft jaws. So what I did is I put the soft jaws around this Myth and Wesson 41. And I'm like, all right, it's, you know, it's kind of loose. How far can I crank this thing? And that soft jaw conformed right to the grip of that pistol. To the point where when I'm moving the pistol, I start moving my bench. I mean, it actually held it so nice and tight that I'm like, yeah. this is awesome. I, I, I totally get the whole design of this. I mean, for, forget that, you know, on the other side, we have the grooves for barrels and you have the, um, the pick rail groove yep. on there. So you can actually mount your AR on its pick rail upside down and work on it that way. Um, it was just, it, it, it was a great, it was a great design that, um, I mean, you know, I, this is so much easier to use than my four inch, you know, vice that, you know, you get at Home Depot Lowe's or anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have that, but then that's really, you know, I have that mostly to, to torque things on. It's not a cleaning thing. Um, right. That's what I love about this thing so much is that, yeah, no matter what you have, you just clamp right onto the soft jaws. And it's great. Now, I don't have, let me grab this out. I don't have one of your your AR-15 mag tools, but this is the one that I've had forever. It's just a piece of Delrin, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I've, you can see, actually, I took the AR off of it. There's the grooves from it. Yeah. I just had it into this. It worked. Um, now, the design of your jaws, the actual metal part, has mm -hmm. that little groove in it. So that way you can use... Your AR, you know, your version of this, which is, uh, well, let's face it, far superior than a piece of Delrin. Yeah, that, <laughs> that right there. Yeah. Um, there's a little groove that you can just kind of put that thing in and um, you don't have to overclamp. There you go. There's the grooves. Yeah. yeah. They, you don't have to overclamp. I mean, you can see on mine, I mean, you can see where, where the vices, where the vices clamped on that over the years. Yeah. Um, you guys have that groove. It just kind of sits in there. And I will tell you that even though yours is designed for that, I've tested it with this and it works. Um, nice. It's good to and, hear, man. And, and it's, what's that groove? Half an inch deep? Uh, something like that? Maybe three. Yeah, four. somewhere around there. I'm not one of the product um, development guys. So I don't know that one. But, but yeah, it, it's, I looked at it and went, there's no way that this thing's going to hold. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, wow, this is, this is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a, a nice design. The other thing I like about it is that, well, let's face it, our benches are probably not always level. So if I'm going to mount a scope on it, you have that six degrees, either you know, plus or minus, that yeah. you can adjust. You can adjust it to make sure that you get the level. Um, I mean, these are all things I learned at range day that I was just like, this was a really well thought out um, piece of, of equipment. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny you, you talk about all that stuff. Um, when I first got a prototype, now I've had a prototype at, at my, I've had one, just one of the prototype ones at my house for over a year now. I've probably built about 60 rifles off of it at this point. Um, and the first time I built a rifle off of it, I had no idea uh like how long it was going to take me or anything like that so i built a rifle and 
naturally building at JP for so long, I had a great idea of how long it would take me to build a complete AR. Now I hadn't built one off of this yet, but I just started going and I finished that build in a uh, roughly 10 to 15 minutes faster than I ever finished one at JP. And people are like, well, I'm not building for speed. And it's like, yeah, I, we're, we're not talking about building for speed. What we're talking about is the fact that the ease of building a rifle on this when I'm not even trying to build fast, just naturally went faster, shows you the, you know, the, the versatility that this vice actually brings to anybody that wants to build a rifle, work on their, their pistols, cleaning, maintenance, whatever it is, you actually have that entire versatility here. But there's also something cool, something else cool about this is when we look at one of our tools that we have here, this is our AR-15 lug lock. So it's going to slide into your upper receiver and it's going to lock into, it's going to lock into your barrel extension. And then you can also put this guy on the bottom of it. So if your uh, lug lock was to slide a little bit, it's going to lock the rear takedown uh, joint here. So it's not going to fall off your receiver. Now, what we wanted to do is if, is when I personally, uh, not a funny story, it is it wasn't when it happened, but it is now. I was working on uh, another tool similar to this at, at JP, and I'd slid a rifle on here. And we were messing with something and actually slid the jaws a little bit, and the upper fell off, bounced on the receiver, landed upside down on the scope, and then landed on the side of a freshly Cerakoted receiver, which meant the whole thing had to be torn apart, redone, because it couldn't go out to the customer that way. So the PD guys actually here at Real Avid called me, and they're like, hey, this couple of weeks later, they, we, want, we want you to come and look at something. So I go in and I'm looking at this and they've got it where this guy slides off and locks in there, but they put these pins in here and these pins. So like on your little four inch vice, you can put these pins in certain areas. So if you're applying torque, it's not going to move because it kind of pins it in there and locks it in. Super cool. Love the design, but I really fell in love with the design whenever our new vice came out. So We'll put this here so you guys can see. We got these holes here. These are the pins that hold our jaws on. And I can actually slide my pins into the hole here, lock it in. So they come through the vise, and now my lug lock is actually going to slide in to those holes. And I can lock my uh, lug lock down. There we go. And so now when I throw this, my upper receiver on here, no matter what position, I put my my vice. This isn't going to come out, and as long as I got this guy locked into those, uh, locked into that receiver, it's not going to fall off. So, just another way of taking one of our tools and incorporating it into the design of the vice to make sure the end user has a solid building platform for their AR-15. Yeah, I mean that that's just genius, um, and. While you had that there, um, if anybody saw the uh, saw on there, there's actually a piece of plastic that goes uh, above the thread rods and across that um, oh. the two pins that go in there. So that way, you know, one of those things is when you're working on a vice, you can drop, you know, you can accidentally put a gun in a little too deep and hit that thread rods. Whereas on your vice, you have a nice soft jaw right there. Yep. To protect the gun from getting damaged on the threats. I mean, even going down to that level of detail on this, this is, I mean, I absolutely love working on this thing. Um, 
I, I, I almost feel sorry for my four inch vice now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely not getting a whole lot of love in the past month that I've had this thing. Yeah. Um, um, it was just, it, it was a great design and I was and it, the whole torquing of barrels. I just couldn't see how it worked until, yeah. it, until you actually get to play with one of these things and you see that torque pin go through and lock it. And you know, you can like, you have it, you, you have yours up like that. I actually have mine rotated uh, 180 degrees because of the way I work on this bench. Um, yeah. You can lock, I can lock it, at, like you said, every 90 degrees, every but then I can go 90 degrees and lock it every 90 degrees that way too. Um, yeah. So you get a lot of, um, a lot of positions that you can work on your gun that way. Yeah. So dude, I, it, I've got a, I've got design. a Barrett 50 cal. Um, I hate working on the thing. I hate doing anything with it besides shooting it. And that depends on how much ammo I have and how, you know, how much overtime I put in and what my paycheck looks like. Um, hours each time you squeeze the trigger. Five yeah, to $10. Yeah. 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 But you know, I needed to do some work on it and I'm like sitting there and I'm looking at my vice. Right. And I'm not holding the 50 cal because I mean, it's heavy. Right. So I'm sitting on my bench. I'm looking at the vice. I'm looking at that. And I'm like, well, I've got the grooves in the plastic jaws. Will it hold the barrel? will allow me to do some work because I needed it to be where one of those things where I could be on the right or left side of it. Right. So mm -hmm. I knew at that point I was going to bring it off. So the, the rifle is actually coming out this way, hanging off the vise. Uh, so got it set up in there, clamped down on the barrel, held it in my arm. I kept my, uh, my speed cam loose. And then I got my torque lock pin in there where it was locked down and I tightened up that speed cam on the bottom and, you know, I did the whole, like, slowly let go and walk away. <laughs> and it, sit, it just sat there, right? And then I'm looking at my bench, like, can my bench hold this, right? So I'm just yeah. looking at it, and it held there. And it, it was awesome because then I was able to work on my 50 cal, no problem. And I was like, this is perfect. I mean, not ever in my life did I think I'd be able to hang a 50 cal off my bench and be able to walk around it and do whatever work I needed to make my job go faster. And, and of course, that's a really cheap rifle too, right? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> so. it's super cheap. The optic on top of it was extremely cheap as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going to be very, very cautious about that. I mean, um, I mean, and that's the thing is, depending on how you have that set up, you might have spent more money on glass than you did on the rifle. Um, I did. I've seen. Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I've seen, uh, you know, out here in Montana, there's there's a bunch of 50 cal guys. Um, I I I totally a jealousy out of Barrett. The the practicality in me will will well number one, there's no way that my wife will ever let me buy one. Um, number two is the practicality of me is that when I'm shooting that gun, I'm gonna sit there and go five hours. You know, squeeze the trigger. I'm gonna go five hours, five hours, five hours. And yeah, that that sure. alone would keep, and you know, and I'm thinking five hours, and that's back, well, ten years ago. <laughs> um, that 50 cal ammo has got to be even more expensive now. It's it's um, ridiculous to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, so for you to put that that gun in there and trust that vice with that much money, that says a lot, right there. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It, you know, if if I drop an AR, um, it'll suck, right? It'll suck. I'll look at it, 
I can sericode, I can fix it, whatever. You know, they're all my rifles anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would absolutely cry if I dropped something that's more expensive than that. Well, I, I was just looking at crying if I had to go re-zero it. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's where I was going to cry. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, if you had to re-zero that, you're looking... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're looking at a little bit of money just that yeah. alone. It, it, it could e- <laughs> it could easily be a hundred dollar range session and not very many yeah. shots at all. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. all right. So, we know we have one kick-ass vice that I mean, quite frankly, there's there's nothing on the market that competes with it right now. No, um, no. I, I tell people it's uh, a true gun. About it. Yeah, yeah it, it's that's it's a true gun. About it. it is. Um, so let's move on to some other tools. So since we we love our AR-15s, let's talk about the um, AR-15 Armorer's Toolkit. Now, there's two of them that you guys have. Right. You guys just updated it th- uh, this year, correct? Yes, we did. So this is so the let's original. Talk about that. Okay. This is the original one. This is one. This is one of our most popular tools. Comes in a nice uh, molded case, which we were actually talking about before we went live here. Yep. Um, what's cool about it is I can actually store it in a lot of places. So it's got all the tools I'm going to need, and I can easily store it. So let's flip over here and we'll unclamp it. And as I open it up, you're going to be able to see that we've got almost everything you're going to need to build your uh, your AR-15. So um, we got our lug lock here. We got our uh, smart, vis- uh, smart, uh, smart fit vice block right here. Now, one of the most underutilized tools I think that you're going to see in the AR world is going to be our AR-15 master bench block. Now, what this is going to do, let's say you're running an A2 front sight, and I don't know how many people have ever tried to take off, like remove an A2 front sight from an AR. I've had some that were super easy to do, and I've had some that were extremely difficult to do. But it will only fit, if you have one of those, it's only going to fit on this block one way, and that's the way the pins actually need to drive out. So that helps people out a lot there. But what I really love about this tool is, move this here, is we got this guy right here. So right here, we've got, you can just set your bolt in there, and then I can actually go in and replace the rings on top of my, or on the tail end of my bolt. But if I need to change out, um, let's say the ejector or anything like that, when we look at manufacturers, how do manufacturers build AR bolts and get the springs to compress so they can get the roll pin in there? They usually have some kind of jig that they'll set the bolt down in there, they get a lever, it comes in, it pushes this rod in, and you take all the pressure off the spring and then you put the roll pin in there. So the PD guys, did the same thing. So I can actually drop a bolt right in here. It only fits in here one way. Then I'm going to tighten this down. As I tighten this down, it's actually going to put pressure, as you can see that little uh, pin's coming through there. It's actually going to start putting, yeah, the little red piece is coming through. It's actually going to push, put put pressure on my um, ejector. And as that puts the pressure on my ejector, that actually allows um, all the tension to come off my roll pin. So I can punch my roll pin out, slowly unscrew this, pull my bolt out, then I can change the spring, put it back in there, and slowly compress it, and then put my roll pin back in. Now, the other cool thing about it is it's recessed on the bottom. So as I punch that roll pin out, if I'm even on it, my table's a little slanted, it's not going to roll. If it rolls, it can get caught by the bottom of here, and the bottom is magnetized. So as I pick this up, 
my pin is going to be stuck here. And then I do have yeah. a pin carrier right here that I can put everything in. So you can put a lower receiver in here. Um, you can do the bolts. You can, there's a, quite a few little different things that you can do with this one tool. And it actually comes in the AR-15 uh, or the Armors Master Kit. So, so just to show everybody here, when I was doing gunsmith work, there was only one bench block for the AR-15, and it looked like this. And it yeah. only did one thing. <laughs> one yeah. thing and one thing only. And that's that front that, that front sight. Um, that's what's nice. You know, for me going into 3D printing, there are some designs to do your bolt disassembly, reassembly mm -hmm. that you can print that people have done that. But again, you're talking about individual things and plus you're going to need a 3D printer and know how to 3D print and all that yeah. stuff. I like tools that are multi-purpose that's why i don't like tools like this i like multi-purpose mm -hmm. tools and i love that whole design of that bench block for that ar-15 yeah. because it does so many things yeah it, people have no idea like the individual blocks that you would have sitting on a bench that you need to do like look we even have on here where you put your charging <laughs> handle in there in in and, and you know to change out your you know before they came out with extended char extended charging handles yep. you would have to buy the badger ordinance one and you have to punch yep. that roll pin out and put a new one in that's built into this block but also in the kit we've got our armor's master wrench which looks like this freaking hatchet that you're going to use against uh right here this guy is awesome uh, we got the hammerheads built in there but it's also going to work on your castle nut wrench and your um like your your delta style barrel nut or even like your old 20 pins that like uh randy luth put out there with dpms got that on there we do have a little torque wrench here it's an older school one so you've got to actually watch your gauges you're going you're going to see something different in our other kit we got the picks and pants if you're running like the delta ring style like the a2 front handguard we got the tool to remove that because like you got to push down on that spring-loaded delta ring, and then you got to start applying some, you know, prying some things out. That can be a pain in the butt occasionally. And then, of course, we got all the pins and uh, or all the punches that you're going to need, including the AR-15 bolt catch uh, starter pin and actual pin. So you can see there's a flat edge on here. So that way, when I'm putting in my bolt catch, I can come into the side, and I'm not going to. I can actually go, you know at a more of a flat angle and I'm not going to scratch the side of my receiver. So uh, whether you stericote it or not, you don't want to scratch that receiver. Yeah, I have, I have a, you know, before stuff like that came out, I just have one punch that I had to put uh, electrician's tape on, right? Electrical tape on <laughs> yeah. because yeah. the first time you build an AR and you grab that punch, you are going to scratch that receiver. There are two <laughs> One of two things, or possibly both things, are going to happen is that number one, you're going to put a scratch right here yeah. from the punch, or you're going to leave brass behind on your gun from yeah. hitting the, because you got the punch out and you hit it not square. Yeah. Um, and that is such, um, that's that's such a great design that you kind of cut out for that. So that way you can come in straight. You're not, you know, I mean, how many times have people taken that, even if they hit a square, even though it's hopefully you're using a roll pin punch. Um, but if, you know, even then that roll pin punch can still slide and come off yeah. that head. That's a great yeah. design. Everything stays nice and square the way it should be.
Right. Um, at JP, we were making our own tools. So not everybody has that luxury to be able to do that. Um, and, and that actually gives that to you. Now, we did come out with a master punch kit and we actually made that tool a little longer, which I love, but we haven't incorporated in these tools yet. I just wanted to tease people with that. <laughs> now, oh, this guy, almost the same box. Uh, the We just put a uh, real Avid logo on here and we didn't paint it, but this is our new AMK Pro. Now, this is, so the other one's gonna be for a guy that let's say he wants to work on one or two ARs that he has, not gonna go super crazy. But if you get into somebody like myself or yourself, um, that's gonna build 10 rifles plus, or even be working on friends and family's uh, firearms. And we're going into this guy right here. Yep. And this is, I mean, in my opinion, it is the Matt daddy of all uh, kits. So being at Caterpillar and working with Snap-on tools and everything like that, of course, we had our crow's foot wrenches. And crow's foot wrenches in the automotive, automotive industry, there's not one guy that's serious about his job that doesn't have crow's foot wrenches. When we start looking at building ARs and we're looking at uh, just building guns in general, my whole theory was why are we not treating the firearm industry like the, the snap-on treats the automotive industry? And that's really where some of this is starting to come out. And what we did was we actually have 13 heads in here. We only have 12. We have the most popular 12 right now. But we've got a 5.8 that's going to work for the guys that want to run like a rifle link buffer tube. Torque that down. We have your three-quarter, which is going to work on 90% of your flash, like not flash hunters, but muzzle devices. Uh, we have an eight up to like an inch and five sixteenths. We do have a 30 millimeter in there. Those are going to be for your barrel nuts. We have your uh, spanner wrench, so like your old delta rings or even some of the uh, – can't think of the name right now. But they've got that little uh, sliding ring that locks on, the little locking yep. ring. That's where the spanner wrench is going to come in. The castle nut. Yeah, yeah, like the bigger castle yeah. nut for the barrel nut. Yep. Yeah. Delta ring style, your 20 hole and your uh, four hole. That one's reversible. Castle nut wrench. We have a skinnier – castle nut wrench for the guys that are working on pistols right now so you know if you look at some of the pistol braces um they actually kind of get really thin and tiny there and you can't get a full castle nut wrench on there so that's where you need the pistol guy up and he's nice and skinny to fit in there uh, but the the really cool tool out of the entire set is going to be this guy now, this is a completely different tool. Nobody's ever seen it before. Um, and the way it works is I can take a three-prong flash hider, and let's say I got you know, two of the prongs, I can slide this onto that three-prong flash hider, and now I can actually torque my flash hider down without trying to figure out how to get something. So some flash hiders don't have a, have a flat edge. You know, they don't have a flat edge on them, so you got to figure out how to – I've seen guys put metal in there. I've seen guys just kind of hand tighten them with a bunch of red Loctite. Um, so this actually slides on there and we'll lock it down. See, and that's, it's funny because when I was looking at that kit, I had it, I had it, I was looking at going, that is the, the funkiest <laughs> thing that I've seen. I'm like, I don't get it. And then I started reading about it and I'm like, oh, that, why the hell did somebody not come out with that idea years ago? Right, I never thought about I mean, it. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it either. I mean, it, it, it's just 
it, it's genius because just like you said, I mean, you know, we're used to like, if you're used to working with like the birdcage flash hiders, there's two flat spots so the way you can put your yep. wrench on. And um, quite frankly, I just used to use wrenches, <laughs> you yeah. know, to, to yeah. do them with. <laughs> they weren't. Um, but some of those three prongs, there's, there isn't. I, and I could never figure out how people put those things on. Yeah. Or well, to, some manufacturers may... Some manufacturers have their own tools. Like at JP, we had our own tools for yep. certain things, right? Um, but anyway, so because we got rid of our armor's master wrench, because we don't need it, because we got all of our barrel nuts in here, or our cross whip, we put our hammer in here, we got our torque wrench, and then, of course, we got our master bench block here, we got our smart fit vice block, we got our lug lock. We still kept the handgun, handgun removal tool in there, because some guys are going to take it like their A2 style handguard. They want to replace that, so we got that on there, and, of course, we got the uh, punches in here as well. So... Phenomenal kit. Um, yeah, it's, uh, this is what I'm slowly replacing my AMK with, or just nothing but the uh, Armors Master Kit Pro, just so I have everything I'm going to need there. Well, and the one thing th that I liked about that, so, you know, both kits have a torque wrench. Mm -hmm. But the Pro one went with a clicker. Yes. So, yeah. so you have a clicker instead of the torsion bar type now if you've ever if you haven't barreled a, a rifle um you will learn actually if you do anything torque you yep. will learn to love a clicker because the second you get to that torque it gives you that little pop on it you know you're done whereas when you're using those torsion ones you're pulling and you're looking at that gauge the whole time yeah. And you're not really, you know, if I'm if I'm working with a, a, a nut, a screw, whatever, I want my focus on right where that contact is being made. Right. Well, if you're on those torsion ones, I'm not paying attention where I might not be paying attention that maybe it's slipping on the nut, right? Yep. I might be rounding that nut off and I don't know because I'm too busy looking at the scale. So yeah, for sure. the upgrade of that kit to put a clicker in there is huge yeah we're i was excited when we when we started offering that and, and dropping that in that line uh because you're right it, it changes everything um i have this audible thing that i have to do from all my years of turning wrenches you know i started turning wrenches when i was 13 um, and i'm now 40 so i have to have that audible of that that double click right i'm like boom boom, boom, yeah. boom. okay cool i'm good okay. boom, 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 boom. everything's torque i can move on to the next project so the one thing i like about that kit because Anybody that has started building ARs is used to a tool like this. Mm. Okay. Now, one of the things I, I, as much as I love these things, I hate them because one of the things I ran into is now this is your castle nut. Yep. Right. Well, and then your older style that has had that pin. I torqued on this. Well, there's not a whole lot of metal right here. Yeah. And you can actually see where it chipped the paint. I actually bent the tool. Yeah. So now this is no good for ever doing a castle nut. Yep. And to the point where if I'm doing this with, you know, with the old style, I can still bet because now I weaken that metal. It just keeps bending. Um, so that way, that's why it's so important to have those crow foots. You are yes. not going to bend off of those crow foots. But now you're going to show us the hatchet. Yeah, the reason I'm going to bring that up, right, is because we got the guys that 
that are going to use the AMK Pro, uh, and, and they're going to love it. They have a need for it. But we're going to have a guy that just needs to change the stock, and he needs to go buy one tool. And though we, you and I grew up using the tool that you just used, we we have our things about that we wish some people to change. And real avid, guys, here came out with this guy. Now, this is – go ahead. That's an awesome design because, I mean, if you think about it, where you put the tool, where you're putting the torque, a triangle is a very strong structure. And that yeah. whole head is a triangle where you're – the stresses are going to start spreading out instead of at one single point. Right. Um, so it, it's it, what I like about it is right. It, it also is my hammer. So I've got my, my hammer heads in here. Um, I do have just a flat surface. If I just need to go to town on something, I don't care about the finish of it. I'm going to use this, <laughs> yeah. which I have. Um, but when it comes to castle nut wrench, I can really get on there. I can apply some torque. I mean, it's nice and thick, Yeah. but it has, you know, how many times have you grabbed onto a wrench and you pushed down on it? When you get done, you could actually see the line in your hand because you're trying to tighten down. You know, this actually has a nice grip like you would get on an actual hammer or something like that. And, and that's what was applied on here was take the ergonomics of a, of a hammer that everybody loves and apply it. You know, throw that in on a tool that's going to work for barrel nuts and castle nuts. And and that's for me, that's important. Um, I, you know. <laughs> Getting older, I'm getting, you know, carpal tunnels starting to set in. My hands are getting weaker as, I, as I'm getting older. Um, tools, moldy tools like this, don't, they don't work. There's no ergonomics to them. Um, and that's what I like about that. I mean, I'm down to the point where I'm picky about screwdrivers, whether they fit my hand right. Um, mm. That's where I'm getting to the point of I need to make sure that my tools have the ergonomics to me because I don't want to stop building. I have fun. Right. I love working on these things. And that's why I like that tool right there to replace, you know, these tools. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that is, that is a great design. That goes back to that whole uh, design of function. When it was designed, it was designed correctly. Not how many things we could do, but how many things can we do and do it right? Right. What's the primary focus? And, Let's get a primary focus of the design, and now let's see if we can make it where it needs to be. But, you know, you made a great segue here because you were talking about screwdrivers and, and the way they would fit. So we're going to move into this guy. Yep. Uh, so this is brand new this year. This is our Smart Torque and Master Driver set. Uh, so what we did, we took two tools, and we put them in one case. So we have our Smart Drive 90, which was a... A screwdriver and a, we call it a little fork assist and I'll show you or force assist and I'll show that to you in a minute and we had all of that in one case and that was your everyday um, bit driver that you needed for, to do all you know all the jobs all of the heads were designed uh, we worked specifically with gunsmiths um, to make sure that we got all the bit designs right to work with shotguns the different screws that you can see on shotguns and on pistols to make sure we're not using like your everyday um, wrench set or bit driver that you can get at the Home Depot or at um, CarQuest or something like that because you're going to definitely strip out those heads. Put that in this case. Then we came out with, we're like, all right, we need an inch-pound driver so when we're mounting optics and everything. So we had that. So now we have two cases. I loved them. I have four of the Smart Drive 90s. I keep um, one, on, one in my house, one in a range bag, one in a car, and another one in an actual bag that I travel with. 
that's how much I love it. I wanted to make sure I had all the bit drivers. Then the smart torque came out and I started doing the same thing with smart torque. So uh, when I had a chance, I said, why can't we put the smart driver in with the smart drive nine, get rid of some of the bits that a lot of people aren't using, put it in there and carry it all in one. And that's what we did. So inside here, when I open it up, I actually have uh, my inch pound driver right here. So this is my uh, smart torque. I've got an array of bits. I do have double of the torque bits from T15 up to the T25. I have my screwdriver here. Now, the cool thing about the screwdriver is we do have the jeweler's assist on the top. Now, you see this on off button. Um, I don't have batteries in here, but if you see this, this is the whole thing is a 360 degree light. So if I was to push down on it and I'm looking into the bottom of the AR grip because I want to change grips, it's going to light up the entire thing. Now, on the side here, I've got a little uh, hex head looking thing. And what that is, this is my force assist. So how that's going to work is when I've come up to a screw that's, uh, let's say it's getting close to being stripped out or it's been sitting in there for a long time, I need to push down really hard on it sometimes and try to turn it at the same time. So this guy actually will slide into the side like this, which allows me to put pressure straight down because I have that the jeweler's uh the jeweler's top on the top, I can actually push straight down while grabbing here and applying the force in rotation all at the same time so I don't strip out ahead. Now, our smart torque actually does the same thing as well, so the force assist goes in there. Now, on the bottom of the force assist, we do have a flat uh, head here, so we can actually go to town with it on a hammer, and then it will work as a bit driver as well. So you actually get three bit drivers in one. One of them is uh, more of the, you know, inch pound torque guy. So we're gonna use that more as a precision school, uh, tool when we're mounting optics like this guy and our mounts and everything like that. But man, I'm telling you, huge fan of this. You see, and that's, I, I know we keep coming back. That goes back to that design. You have a screwdriver, right? Tight screw, you're pushing down. Well. Mm -hmm. We're screwing like, yeah, you know, we're trying to push down and screw at the same time where yeah. you have, like you said, you have that jeweler's assist where you can, I can put all my weight down on that and use my, well, I'm going to say my weak hand because, you know, we're, we're shooters <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or my, or my support hand. Right? Yeah. And I can use that to turn the screw. So that way I yeah. can put my whole weight down. That is huge. Now, I know, you know, for those of you who don't understand uh, gunsmith screwdrivers, um, yours are hollow ground screwdriver. Uh, your regular bits are bits. hollow ground, which if you're see, it, for those of you on there, you'll see this is a hollow ground um, bit where you can see the ends are kind of tapered like this coming up to a true square point. Mm -hmm. This is a hardware score, store screwdriver. This will strip your screws. Yes. <laughs> they, they do not fit. I've done a, a post on my website about it. That is why a set like that, don't go out and get a hardware store screwdriver to work on your guns. Go get an actual gunsmith screwdriver because if you will see, um, I, 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 I think it was on my Winchester Model 94 video where I showed this exact screwdriver, which, and this is a very good screwdriver, where you could see that I was twisting it and it did not fill that slot. Now, the reason why there's so many screwdriver bits is you'll have 
not only width for how wide, but also how thick they are. And that's yeah. where that screwdriver set is great for. You can get a good fit onto a screw. I mean, you're not going to take a classic firearm. I hope you would, wouldn't take any firearm and just have slop in your screw. Make sure you fill that head. That's why it's so important to have a screwdriver set with so many bits, not just because there's torques. Now, I like that you have double of those torques because how many how many times have you been working on something you already have your torques bit committed to something and you need yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah so it's funny you bring that up because like when, when we were putting this whole thing together we we're sitting in we call it the war room right that's where the product development guys sit in there and they they brainstorm and all the smart guys come together we're all sitting there and I don't know how I got in there because I'm not the smart guy but I was in there and <laughs> they're like what can we do I'm like hey we need to put the smart fit or the smart torque in with our our master driver set and, and like make it this cool thing and I was like, hey, while we're at it, can we add dual torques? Because I'm tired of like going from one case to another case to yep. get another bit. And they're like, what? Yeah, and I'm like, look, yep. my on my AR right here, my anti-walk pins for my trigger are torques. If I want to do any type of adjustment on my trigger, I I have to have two torques because they're both if I spin one, the other one's spinning. So I need to have them so I can hold one tight and unloosen the other one. So, uh, you know, just, man, it's just little things. And like you said, uh, you know, there's times that you'll have nothing but torques, you know, like, look, I've got torques here. I've got torques there. Um, I've got some other torques on this actual rifle. And you're right. I, I'll have a driver that's, bid driver that's already committed to something else. And I don't want to be, you know, grabbing different torques and moving them around. I just want to have what I need when I need it and move on. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause I have just regular Torx screwdrivers up on the wall there just because yeah. of that, that situation where I have <laughs> two opposing torques that I got to work yeah. on. Um, and that's like you, I don't want to go dig through another case and then, um, you know, or drop a bit and go, Oh crap. That rolled under, uh, I'm going to have to find that one later. I want yeah. to make sure that I have the tools I need right there. Right. Yeah. And, and just to give people reference, this is this is still in packaging, but this is the actual Smart Drive 90. Um, so you can kind of get an idea, uh, just, you know, how many bits are actually in there. I look, I, I love that case. I used it forever. It was one of my favorite. Um, this is what the smart torque is actually coming in. It comes in an uh, EVA uh, case. It's a little nicer of a case here, but that's what's actually going to come in there. So not as many bits. Um, that was something that, I, you know, I understand the premise behind it, but whenever I could actually just go and say, okay, no matter what I'm working on, I have all of the bits that I need. And if I want to apply torque on different firearms or whatever, I'm not grabbing two cases. I, I'm grabbing one kit and I'm able to do everything I need. And they do hang. So if you run a pegboard like we do, we do have a hanger on there so you can hang them up and kind of keep track of what's going on in your uh, in your shop. That That is right there. So on my pegboard, I have shelves <laughs> because those are the cases that do not have they're, – they're not ready for pegboards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's great. Um, I love that you guys have remembered that we have pegboards. I mean, really, how hard is it to put a pegboard holder onto a case? It's, I mean, you design it, it's right into the mold, you're done. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, that, that's sure. awesome. Now, we've been going for about 
Well, about an hour and a half, um, and I want to be respectful of your time. There's one more thing I want to talk about. Yeah. So we've hinted around it a couple of times with optics. Oh. You have you have optics mounting stuff. I do. So talk talk a little bit about that. All right. Um, so let, let's look at reticles or optics, right? So um, here, let me grab this guy off real fast. All right. So this is um, my 2022 competition rifle uh, for shooting some long range. But when we go to mount an optic, we, we've noticed that not all fire or all uh, optic manufacturers are making it where their turret is flat like a complete flat top. So if I take a bubble level and I put it on there and I've got a, just the smallest dome, it's gonna wanna lean off to the side or two, which can cause some issues when I wanna get this level. Now, when I work, I do, I do some stuff with, um, with Vortex and one thing that they, they would like to do, they like to actually put a flashlight in the end and shine it on the wall and they have a plumb bob. And you know, after looking at that, our PV guys decided to come out with something that operated the same way. Um, so whether you got a bolt gun or a gas gun and a Picatinny on the top, we actually have a piece that lays on the top and we can shine a flashlight through there and we got a grid that goes on the back end. So the grid's got a bubble level. And I got a bubble level here. So that what that allows me to do is get the screws on my mount close to being tight and then I can start to rotate it. And as I'm rotating, I see my reticle on the grid. And if my grid's uh, level, and my actual projector here is level. Now I know I've created one solid plane from my rifle to my optic and my uh, reticle on my grid should be level. Um, it's one of those things where some people don't really understand it till they've played around with it. Um, it so I always tell some guys, you know, one of the stories we hear is, okay, they're like, well, how do I know it's going to work? How do you know it's going to work? Have you tried it? And here's the deal. I took uh, not this. I've got a competition rifle I used last year, and I needed to put a new optic on it and do some stuff with it. So um, what I did was here's where the projector goes, and this is where the flashlight would go. It's got magnets on the bottom, and it's got a little V-notch on there. So when I set it on here, it actually wants to stay on the barrel by itself. Now, we got a V on the front here, and as I push that in, it locks around the reticle like that. So this is what it's gonna look like. And as you can see, the flashlight shines right through there. Now, as you can see, I got a bubble level here. So as my, I grab my rifle and I move my rifle right or left, you can see the bubble levels moving. Now, what we're doing is we already know in theory, let's say in theory, that my Picatinny on my rifle should be level. My scope mounts should be good. I put my optic in there and all I need to do at that point is move my optic right or left by spinning it to get my reticle level. So I'm gonna put that on here. I'm gonna get my rifle actual level, which my bubble level is gonna be level here. In the background, I'm actually going to have my grid. So here's the grid. As you see, there's a bubble level on it. And I'll set it up behind here like this. And when I turn the flashlight on, it's going to project the reticle, reticle onto my grid here. And so I can see the vertical and horizontal or well, horizontal and vertical uh, lines of my reticle. And then as I rotate it, I can see if they're moving. And so all I'm doing is getting my, I like to start with my vertical line going, you know, so north and south, that's the line I'm going to want to work with. 
I always try to get that where I'm getting that lined up first. And then from there, I'm going to start to fine tune my horizontal lines. And I run nil. I have some hash marks in here, you know, for like, um, you know, half a mil to a mil, 1.5 mil, two mil, and so on. And so I got some little marks going down. So I'll really start to fine tune it on here and get a quick level. Now, one of the guys that was questioning me about it, I was like, well, how have you really tested it? And so what I did was at one point I took, it was actually this reticle, I put it on this rifle for this year, but um, I put this reticle in a mount and we, uh, I didn't like, I just kind of set it in here so I could fly with it. Flew down to Logan, New Mexico, went to JP's Blue Steel Ranch and I had a level right pro with me and I put this optic on the rifle in the cabin that a lot of people were staying in. And everybody saw me moving everything around and checking the reticle. The next day we went out there. I'd already had my dope and everything on the rifle. So the next day we went out there, took me about five shots, got it zeroed. My very next shot was 1,650 yards. Now, like I said, I already had my dope. So all I had to do was dial my optic because I knew everything I was doing. Uh, my first shot was seven, or 1,650 uh, yards. And then I worked it all the way back in to 400 yards and then back out to 1,650 yards. What that tells me is that I could put this on any deer hunting rifle and go out and shoot a deer at 300 yards if I'm taking a six Creedmoor at that time and running out to 1,650 yards on my sixth shot uh, that my, you know, my optics level. So, I mean, that is, it's a lot to, that is, it's a lot to put in real fast right there. It is, but um, as long as you understand those concepts, it, it's actually a very simple design, right? I mean, that's the one thing I, I like what you say. You know, turrets are just, they're just not straight, right? Yeah. Um, even if you do get one that's straight, it doesn't mean that they actually have the turret trued at the top, right? And, and, and people, I've, I've heard people be like, well, I run this optic. I'm like, hey, that's a fantastic optic. Well, I paid $3,000 for it. It should be true. I'm like, that's, they don't care about that. Their purpose, their purpose isn't where that turret's true or not. Their purpose, the, everything they're putting into is the glass, how the reticle is sealed inside of there, how much, you know, how much of the vibration and energy it can actually handle. That's what you're paying for in an optic. You're not paying for the top of the reticle or the top of the turret to be flat or even no. set in a, you know, perfectly lined up in the middle. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's why I like that because you're, you, you get off of the, I mean, yes, level is still important, right? You still have to yeah. make sure everything is level, but you get off of that level thing. And it's like, I don't care about what a bubble level says on the top of my, of my scope. I care what my crosshairs tell me. Yes. Because that's what I'm using to gauge where my bullet is going to go down range. Right. Right. So by by truing up using the reticle, it's it, it's so much it, it's a completely different game at that point because you know I'm not balancing this, balancing that, and I I, I balance your you know your projector thing right there. You know, make sure that's level. I make sure that the target is level. Start working up. It's simple yeah. at that point, right? Yeah, I, love I mean, two lines meet. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is you got to remember when we do this, we have three points of contact, right? We got point one, yep. point two, point three. They're all in a diamond, right? Like in a triangle yep. shape. So the only way for that to line up 
is for all of them to be on the same plane. And that's what we're doing. Yep. We're creating one plane that will allow me to do the rotation like this, right? And, and find my zero, find my level and my bubble level. Another thing is we found this, found this out right away. Not all bubble levels are created equal, right? No. no. Uh, that was mind blowing when I figured that out. How long, I mean, I used to do construction work when I was growing up. So to figure that out, I was like, you kidding me? So what we do is we have like this level, right? This projector with the grid, they're leveled together on the same machine. And then they're packaged they're together, right? So now we know paired. those two bubble levels, they're paired, they go yeah. together. And now I know when I send it to a customer, he should be good to go. That's awesome. So, hey, look, we have been going now. We're about an hour and 45 minutes right now. Um, thank you so much for, for, for joining us today and going through all this stuff. We went through a lot of tools today and, <laughs> no, we've, only, and we've only scratched the surface of what you have. I know. I have so, 200 SKUs we got to go through. All right. Uh, <laughs> as much as I would love to do that, uh, I don't know if anybody would handle hanging out yeah, with us that so. <laughs> um, so tell everybody how to, you know, how to find your tools. I mean, you know, where I just, do they go? We're, we're in, we're in uh, Cabela's Bass Pro. We're in your shills. We're in a lawn and mom pop shops. Um, if you're looking for a dealer, you can reach out. We can tell you where a dealer that's closest to you. We're also on Amazon. You can find us on Optics Planet, uh, Midway, Brownells uh, there. But also just go to realavid.com. You can go through our entire page and you can order directly from us as well. So um, we'll help you find, you know, we'll help you do whatever it is you want. If you want to go to a dealer, we'll get you hooked up with a dealer that's close by. If you want us to ship it to you, we can do that as well. Awesome. You know, Dustin, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. You know, when we talked at shot, it was, it was great to, to talk to you there. Cause I remember talking, you know, I was planning out in, in the thing and then, um, you know, I just knew I wanted to have somebody from Real Avid come on to the podcast and everyone went, that guy over there. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, cool. So then, you know, um, I walked up and we talked, we, we talked for a little while and it was just, a, it was a great conversation we had. And, and today was an, just another awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love talking guns with uh, people that enjoy doing the same thing. So it was, it was fantastic for me. Thank you. That was a great time with Dustin. He's, he really knows his stuff. I mean, when I went into the interview, I didn't even know he worked for JP. He built ARs. He knows his way around these guns. And on top of his competitive shooting and his long-range stuff, Man, he, he just has the entire package when it comes to understanding guns. Now, if you're watching on the video platform, you'll see my eyes wander, right? Because, you know, I'm really close to that camera when I'm doing these interviews and the computer monitor is kind of right behind the camera. My eyes wander because I'm looking at my notes, you know, what question I'm going to ask him next or, or you know, any comments that I may make that I made a note of, hey, I want to bring this out. We got to an hour and I was only halfway through my notes. Show went, what, about an hour and 45 minutes, which is okay. We had such a great time talking about stuff. So 
when we hit that hour, I kind of started speeding up a little bit to get to the end because I knew Dustin was going to be working well into the next morning. I mean, he had a really long day ahead of him. So we kind of sped up a little bit and finished up, but we still got you some really good content there. And honestly, I really enjoyed talking to him. We talked a little bit before we started recording and we talked a little bit after. And um, honestly, we could have talked for hours. I mean, we really could have. And, um, you know, I look forward to having him on the show again. You know, we talked a little bit, like I said, before and after the show. He's got some stuff coming up that I think you're going to be interested in. If you like the work that I do here, please consider supporting me for free by shopping my affiliate links and banners at www.trb.fyi. Click on those banners and links before you go shopping. When you do, a small percentage of your purchase will come back to the channel so that I can continue to bring you additional content. Now, this is not going to cost you anything more than you were already going to spend. But you help me bring you additional content. If you'd like to make a direct donation to the channel, you can do it directly on the website. Off on the right hand side of your screen, you'll see a donation. From there, you can make a monetary donation or you can support me on Patreon. So Patreon, you can support me for as little as $1 a month. That's it. $1 a month, $12 a year. And that is a huge amount of help to just bring additional content. Thanks for listening to me. Hope you're staying safe out there. And I look forward to talking to you again soon.